We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. And, Jack, we are not very happy at the moment. New levels of frustration, Nicholas. Yes, this was absolutely terrible. This was an atrocious loss, 115-122 to Minnesota in overtime without Carl Anthony Towns, without Andrew Wiggins. They did not even have more than maybe one or two good basketball players in their team, and the Nets lost this game, Jack. I, it's hard to fathom how the Nets lost this game. I, as I was watching it, I'm just like, all right, the Nets are okay. Even though we were really, I, I think our biggest lead was like by nine, but that was really early on. Then it was sort of back and forth. Then Minnesota had a, a little bit of a run. The Nets had some, some mini runs off the back of some, uh, some of our bench guys like TLC and Wilson Chandler. And I felt relatively comfortable. But then in the real closing dying moments, the Nets just played some of the poorest basketball that they've played all season. Spencer's making some questionable shot selections with a capital Q-U-E-I. No, I don't even want to spell right now. <laughs> Q-U-E, you know what I mean. At the end of the day, this is just, it was bad. It was bad on so many levels. B-A-D. There's, I think I said to you just before we started recording, the amount of negative adjectives I need right now. I need to get a thesaurus out. It was terrible. I mean, just one play in particular, you know, you mentioned it, you know, you felt pretty confident the Nets were up five, I think, late in that fourth quarter, and there's an opportunity to kind of seal it. Then uh, I want to say Jared Culver airballed the three. Gorgie Dang goes and gets the offensive rebound, leads to two points for Minnesota. That changed the game. It's those little hustle plays. Like, the Nets coasted through this entire game. Like, they did not outplay Minnesota in any way. They were just some more talented team and made more shots. And Minnesota was out there trying to hustle and make plays and do things the right way. And they were awarded with a win. Like, the Nets keep playing this terrible way, and they're not 
an extremely talented team without Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and Karis Avert. Like, they have one fringe all-star players, a couple NBA starters, and a lot of guys that maybe aren't even NBA players. So, like, to not play hard on a regular basis, there was opportunities. I was aggravated in this game from the first quarter because they only ended the first quarter up two. But Minnesota was so bad, it should have been a double-digit lead from the beginning. Yeah, this should have been a blowout win. And I'm no credit taken away from Minnesota. They capitalized on the Nets miscues on both ends of the floor, the lack of energy, which is weird because what got us back to sort of maintaining a semblance of new identity with Spencer Dinwiddie and without our stars was the things that Minnesota did tonight, showing energy, showing hustle, role guys stepping up and, and getting offensive rebounds, all of this. And it was just like, you see DeAndre Jordan and Torian Prince just let Gorgie Jan go out. Lack of boxing out. You know, Wilson Chandler's being thrown out there in closing minutes because our bigs are so damn poor tonight. I think this was the worst performance from both of our bigs tonight, I think, like, without question. like I get Gorgie Jang is okay and can throw a good game in here and there, but you can't let that guy have 20 freaking rebounds. He's not Andre Drummond. He's had plenty of DMPs this year. Like He's not a guy they count on a regular basis. He played because they're super banged up. Our center rotation was trash tonight. Like, it was bad. I'm not holding back anything in this game. Like, DeAndre, like I mentioned on that hustle play late in the fourth quarter, but there was just other plays where he just doesn't move. He's just lazy. You know, uh, there's a couple Minnesota times where they had the ball at the three-point line. They weren't going to shoot, but DeAndre, you want to give them five seconds at the line, they're going to pull up and hit the three. And Jared Allen, like, we were talking about him rising. Like, he regressed over the last couple weeks. He's lost that aggression. His rebounding presence is gone. I don't know what's good with Jared Allen, but he was getting bodied left and right by NBA rookies and young players in this league that are undersized compared to him. He just wasn't playing with physicality. Yeah, Nasri played both of our bigs as well. He was hitting threes. But it was literally, it was nigh on unacceptable from, from both of our bigs tonight. You know, DeAndre Jordan was the worst version of DeAndre Jordan. And yes, guys, will look at the, the box score and you go, well, 12, 13 rebounds. It's just like... But you expect the big to get rebounds anyway. It's what happened on the other end of the floor. What happened with the opponents? How is he a defensive presence? His laziness was there. And I think Jared Allen just... It was the, the Jared Allen of old in terms of the passive nature. It was like... And I don't want to be ridiculously critical of one game performance, but he had his the, the whole new setup is that he had to, he has his feet up and he goes out there with a fresh mind. But he had his feet up out there for most, if not all, of the game. And some of the plays, and I'm not just blaming our bigs because you know I thought that this is probably one game where outside of probably Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie, for the most part, our bench was better. Yeah, I mean, really, like Joe even had some, uh, you know questionable plays from him to start the game but he picked it up as a progress Spencer had his moments but he was trying too hard taking 31 shots and just like the offense is so out of sync and just things are so terrible but the the bench like you mentioned Jack they're at least getting into some things and playing some defense and playing with some hustle just overall it's really questionable and I forgot to do this before but quick reminder you can find us on iTunes Google Play Spotify OGGBasketball.com NetsRepublic.com and Blue Wire Pods but Jack we usually don't go this way but how much do you put on Kenny for this loss? Because the team was not motivated and they did not play hard. How much that's on Kenny, Nick? I, not a lot. This is the player's fault. I'm sick of, and I, I understand it's a relevant question because I think some of the plays late were, if, if Coach Kenny was was drawing up an inbounds lob play, with, or not an inbounds lob play, a lob play with Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan, then that's nigh on a fireable offense. And whether... Coach Kenny is letting Spencer did when you have free reign within the offense and taking pull up three after pull up three after pull up three. 
All of Spencer Dinwiddie's threes tonight, I'm pretty damn sure, were off the catch. And he is a good three-point shooter off the catch. He is a poor, bad three-point shooter. He is not Stephen Curry. He is not Devontae Graham, James Harden. He is a bad pull-up three shooter. Coach Kenny did, you know, probably uh, there were some mistakes out there, I think, at times, putting Wilson Chandler out there in the late parts of the game, you know, allowing sort of offensive boards and second chance points opportunities was questionable. But for me, Nick, this is 80%, 90% on the players and their lack of engagement. You can't, and we've said this on numerous other buzzers before in terms of how, you know, a coach needs to motivate his players. But at the end of the day, it's the 10, 9, however many guys out there that go out there and perform and it is on them. And you can rah, rah, rah all you want. If you're not performing as a player, there's only so much a coach can freaking do. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think more of it is on the players. But I think from Kenny's perspective, like, he can only do so much to motivate them. But I didn't like the fact when they went on that 9-0 run, he didn't call a timeout early to settle things down or just, like, he just isn't completely, like, treating this team like he should. It's like he's treating them if Kyrie Irving is still out there. But it's not. You're playing so many backup players or so many non-NBA-level starters that I think you need to be a little bit more controlling. And like you said, call a couple more sets. And then overall, I just – I'm kind of annoyed. The rotation thing I think is starting to get annoying, especially when you have a two-day break. And then the players end up playing that same amount of minutes that you didn't want to do in the first place. But if you just played Spencer and Joe Harris 40 minutes in the first place – this doesn't go to overtime and you get the win. Now you play the players more minutes than you want and you get the loss. Yeah, I get that the rotations were a little bit mismanaged at times, but I thought, like I sort of said, Nick, that you know Wilson Chandler deserved to be out there probably for the majority of the game he was over Tyrone Prince. He was really good. He shot three of six from three. His three-point ball, he shot He shot the best out of our guys with Joe Harris, both three of six. TLC obviously you know, hit some flames as well with Rodion Kurtz feeding him as well. But I think the rotations were mismanaged at times, but I think a lot more of the brunt of the responsibility is on the nets in terms of the guys that are out there tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves talent, as you touched on at the start, Nick, all of our players, in terms of the cumulative talent, and we haven't said that very often this season, especially with our two best players out, we are a more talented team right now in terms of against this Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's rare when we say that. So you should be able to execute at a level, be able to show enough hustle and energy and, and on both ends of the floor and be able to just make plays that you don't need a coach to be able to do these little things and, and pull things out of the bag. I thought that the Nets played lazy, with yep. and, and it was it's probably the most infuriating like pull up threes are a lazy shot getting back and, and giving away ticky tacky fouls is lazy it's just this isn't a good Minnesota Timberwolves team which is probably what makes it more frustrating and what makes it more frustrating is that the Nets coasted and it's a, I don't know why they coasted they had no reason to be coasting their mentality I, you like you mentioned it the Knicks game that happens you know you obviously play horrible and you just miss a billion shots but you can't keep showing this requisite level of effort and engagement and expect to win games of basketball against anyone in this league. The Minnesota Timberwolves with this roster right now would be the worst team in the NBA. I'm By far. And you've got Golden State. They at least have some talented players. You have the Knicks. We lost to the freaking Knicks as well. The got Nets are out. playing... Exactly. The Nets are playing like one of the worst teams in the NBA, Nick. And I know a lot of people will go, well, it's just, you know, just wait till Kyrie and Karras get back. Well, if you're not playing well enough to, while those guys are out, then it's just, I don't know what, when you are, because some of these guys probably don't deserve, won't deserve to get minutes, and they're just coasting, 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 and 
there's no reason to be. Like, we, we keep losing. We need to step up. We need to get some wins. You know, because we might have, you know, the seventh spot right now, but the Bulls are playing better than us. The Magic, despite the loss to Atlanta, are playing better defensively than us. We don't deserve to play playoff basketball with how we have been playing these past three or four performances. It's like the Nets are just settling for that seventh seed and settling for where they're at and using the excuse of, hey, Kyrie's out. Katie's not going to play all year. Karras is missing time. Like, even adding Karras, who's a fringe all-star player to this team, is going to help a lot. But the way they played tonight, they're still a bad team. Like, so many guys played bad. And, you know, this is a guy we were high on going to the season. But over the last couple of weeks, he's kind of went downhill. And that's been Torian Prince. I was extremely disappointed with his performance. A 2 of 7 from 3 will happen. But there is a one instance in the first half where he was driving. He could have literally dunked the ball. He pulled up and tried to do some type of scoop layup and just completely missed. Yeah, it's. I, I guess we can probably empathize. I think you touched on it a little bit in the last episode, Nick. Empathize a little bit with Hawks fans in terms of the frustration levels of what Toyin Prince can bring. I will continue to highlight the fact that he is a very good rebounder and has turned himself into a very good rebounder. But we don't necessarily need that much rebounding from him. I understand that it's an important part of the net system. But we need him to be able to be better at making plays, better at making decisions. You know, we talked to, we raved about his passing game a little while ago. Zero assists tonight was the team's worst guy in plus minus, minus 14. So whenever he was out there, bad things were happening. And, you know, there weren't many good things that he did tonight, despite the fact that he did get a double-double and two steals in a block. You know, the box score does look nice. But if you were watching the performance like me and you and so many other Nets fans, you would see how frustrating of a player that he was and, he, do, he just didn't do enough. And he, it's, it's not like the, the Timberwolves have any good wings. Yes, Robert Covington was very, is a very good player. But, you know, a lot of the time he was being forced to guard Spencer Dimity. So he should be able to make plays. He's shown before that he can make plays. I think he's emblematic of the Nets' woes lately. And I, I just turned to Joe Harrison, not to sort of talk up my guy. But, you know, I thought he was one of the probably, if not the Nets' best player tonight. Because, yes, he made mistakes and was a bit silly. And sometimes he gets blocked on his drives. But he plays fundamentally sound basketball and he always shows effort. In in that instance, in this instance, in so many instances, so these so many of these guys continue to settle and rather than showing energy and sh- and it's just like they don't care. And I'm not saying that that's a, probably a bit hyperbolic of me to say, but I'm basing it off what I've seen lately. And I know these guys do care. I know these guys want to be getting the wins out there, but they're not doing the right things that are actually going to end up in those Ws because... They're just not playing fundamentally sound basketball on either side of the floor. And with their talent level, they're just not playing hard enough. Like, if you're not more talented than the other team, you have to outwork them. And they don't seem to understand that on a regular basis. And no disrespect to Garrett Temple, but I'm really tired of seeing him play 40 minutes. Like, he's doing all he can, but he's just not a capable player out there. Like, he's getting cooked defensively on some possessions by Shabazz. And, like, an early shot clock three from Garrett Temple is not good offense. And it seems at times, for the second unit, they think that's good offense. And it's like, in this slump... Just stop doing that. I'd rather see you take a contested layup or like a mid-range shot that somebody can make that's open than take a three on a bad angle and you're going to miss. Like Garrett Temple is starting to annoy me. I know he's trying hard and he does put some effort in defensively, but just seeing a player of his caliber have to play 40 minutes just kind of screams what's wrong with the Nets. Man, the offensive synergy is just so out of Terrible. It And I just, you know, there's sometimes we're just like someone moves, someone cut. And that's where we see occasional glimpses in the second unit where it's just like, okay, well, at least like, and sometimes obviously DeAndre's passes don't pay off a lot of the time, but there's at least some ball and player movement. And if you're moving, you have to be guarded. You know, if you're passing and fizzing the ball around, 
And I know a lot at the start of the season, everyone's just like, well, Kyrie hijacks the offense and the ball just doesn't move. But that's happened a lot with Spencer now. And a lot of the times he'll hold the ball, he'll do a pull-up three like Garrett Temple will. And it's just like, these guys, you're not like Stephen Curry. You're not Trey Young. And it's just... You're I, not I wish, Kyrie. <laughs> you're not Kyrie. Like, I think that like we need to... Whether it's simplify the, the game plan and go, all right, we want to try and average 25 assists a night. We want to try and average 300 passes or whatever it might be and just try and get that ball moving because it's just not good enough and just things are just so clunky, so damn clunky. Yeah, they were. The offense is just completely out of sync. And then for stretches, you'll see, oh, wow, this is actually working. Or there's something they can go to and it consistently works and then they just stop and they go to something else and turn the ball over. I thought also you kind of hinted at this earlier. Transition D was terrible today. Like for a game that you didn't dominate the offensive boards, like if you're pulling down like 15 offensive boards for some reason and you want to kind of cheat a little bit on transition D, I'll live with it. But like they got seven offensive boards and it felt like Minnesota was creating a lot of their offense in transition or that semi-transition where the nets weren't fully set up. Yeah, and you can't give those easy points to teams that lack, I that guess. You know, the, the, that, yeah, that suck, I guess. Now, I, I wanted to be a little bit nicer to this Timberwolves team because they beat us. They deserve the win. I honestly thought from you know the third quarter onwards, I'm like, the Nets don't really deserve to win this, despite the fact that we are the more talented team and we should have been executing better. But yeah, transition D is a, is an effort thing. You know, we've spoken. You know, I think the the key word to take away from this is that the Nets are lacking effort, and I think. That's incredibly rare under this Sean Marks and Coach Kenny tenure. I think that if, if it doesn't speak to, to Coach Kenny's core in terms of, you know, it doesn't offend him in ways in terms of the style of basketball that this Nets team is playing, then I, I don't know what will because this is the style that would I would certainly offend me if I were a coach and when I tried to build a brand of energetic and, and effort-like defense, turning these role plays and, and trying to elevate them. But just it's just not there right now. And, it's it's certainly going to be even tougher when we head to Dallas. But right now, we just need to start doing some some things that are positive on the court. I, I'm not sure what it is, Nick. I, I think that it'll certainly help Karis Levert whether he returns against um, Dallas. And I think that there is a, a strong likelihood that that could happen after some of today's news. But the Nets need something. And I think Karis Levert's return probably couldn't come at a better time if it does happen against the Mavs. Yeah, I would have liked it like five games ago. But uh, I, I think, like, also, I would like to see Kenny send a message. He didn't hasn't done it much this, this year at all. He did a lot last season with D'Angelo Russell specifically. But at times, he did do it to guys like Damari Keller or some of the veterans on the team. Yeah. Torian Prince makes a trash play. Send his ass to the bench. Bring in Rodions. Bring in TLC. There's just too many times people are making bad decisions and they're just left out there. And some of that's just because the Nets don't have enough bodies. But I think some type of message needs to be sent. It's like Kenny's gotten, I don't want to say softer, but he's been less aggressive, I think, with this team. Obviously, it's a different team. It's more older players. But I think he needs to bring back some of the edge. Are you um, – I don't want to – yeah, I'll throw a hot take question at you then, Nick. Are you saying that Coach Kenny is lacking authority within the locker room right now and within this team? I don't think it's necessarily lacking authority, but I don't think he's showcasing his authority, if that makes sense. Like, I think it's still there yeah. and they all do it. But Kenny's also, he seems more laid back this season and extent. Like, he doesn't seem as crazy as he was last year. You know, the guy that we saw, I think it was, I don't know, remember what game it was, but he had to be held back by Spencer Dinwiddie because he was trying to fight the ref. Like, yeah. he gets mad at calls, but I, I don't see the same type of energy in terms of the players. Obviously, like I said, some of it being veteran guys, you're not going to treat them the same way you're going to treat a 23-year-old. But still, like, 
I think some tone has to be set or some veteran needs to step up. And this is where I think they miss a guy, maybe like Jared Dudley or a guy like Damari Carroll. Garrett Temple is a leader, but I don't think he's a vocal leader in the extent that he's going to call everybody out. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the team chemistry seems fine, but uh, I, I guess in terms of... I think the, the chemistry the... is fine, but I think somebody needs to be like, hey, yo, you need to get back in transition. DeAndre, you need to like move your shit here. Like, uh, ideally, it would be Kevin Durant, but... Ideally, for me right now, that should be Spencer Dinwiddie. I think that a lot of these guys are incredibly like cohesive and buddy-buddy and off the court. And, you know, I think there are times where DeAndre might get a, a little bit angry, but I can't remember a player at all this year where someone will, will get on DeAndre Jordan because I think that because he is a, one of the glues of the locker room, him and Theo Pinson and stuff, they don't want to upset that harmony in some sort of way. But it's an 82-game season. You know, you can don't have to be Draymond Greed about it and call someone a B-word and, and force a guy out of a, a bloody team. But sometimes there are some hard truths that are needed. And I think the Nets need to look inward, beat the coaches, beat the players and start going, all right, well, then this needs to be a turning point for us. We really need to elevate ourselves. And I guess to look at it from a glass half full perspective, Nick, I don't know how much worse the Nets can play. So hopefully the only way is up. And I mean, to an extent, if you really look at this game, and I remember I tweeted myself, like the Nets need to win this game or please win this game, whatever I said. And I saw other fans saying, hey, if the Nets lose, I'm going to be in panic mode. But in your brain, you have to also break it down. It's like, oh, we think we should win this game because Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns are out. And the flip side, they think they should win. Kyrie Irving's out, Karis LeVert's out, Kevin Durant's out. They're missing their three best players. So it's like we also, I think, we're almost given fool's gold when they went on that little winning streak we kind of mentioned on the last show. Like this team isn't really that good. They were outworking people. They got a little bit of a hot streak. They lost that hot streak, and they're not outworking guys, so they're not going to win games. Yeah, I think that you surmise it pretty perfectly there, my friend. So hopefully, new Nets in 2020. We hopefully see the hustle Nets. <laughs> we don't see this performance we saw last night. And to all of our listeners and to you, Jack, as well, Happy New Year. We hope everybody has a wonderful 2020, a lot better than Nets performed tonight. Jack, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, New Year, new Nets. Let's see <laughs> what happens. But at the end of the day, it's just a game of basketball. I love uh, the fact that I get this outlet to at least express my frustrations. Yes, I will be able to enjoy my vacation. If I did not get to recap with you, I would probably still be aggravated drinking a beer by myself. <laughs> but as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, Netsapolic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.